The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Wow. Wow. This past week, my goodness gracious, mark my words, we are going to remember this week. We are going to remember this week as one of the most disruptive weeks in the history of the music industry. We are going to be talking about this week for many weeks and months and years to come. I cannot overstate this. The last few days' worth of news stories have been absolutely game-changing for this industry, and specifically for indie artists. Big, big shifts are happening. And they are shifts that are going to have a tangible effect and an immediate effect on your day-to-day lives as indie creators. It's crazy. It's a bonanza. But before we talk about all that, let me tell you about our guest this week. I'm so excited to talk to one of my favorite people to ever come on this podcast, Ashley Curvabon, the executive directress of Women Crush Music. I love this organization. I'm such a Women Crush Music fan. This is a great organization, a nationwide organization that has local chapters throughout the United States that is dedicated to providing opportunities for women in music. They do showcases. They do educational initiatives. So, so cool. And I love Ashley Curvabon because she is just the classic, super motivated social entrepreneur and a great musician as well. We actually had Ashley on the show earlier this year. We interviewed her back in January. Yeah, I think it was this past year. Yes. And she gave us some great advice and she told us about her fantastic organization. And I was such a big fan of her. I was just on Team Ashley Curvabon from day one because a couple weeks later, Again, I was so impressed by her, I actually asked her to guest host the show for two weeks while I was traveling to China for work, and she delivered, man. She came in with the other members of the executive team over at Women Crush, and they were fantastic. They guest hosted the show for two weeks. It was an informative two weeks. It was an engaging two weeks. It was an honest two weeks. They were so raw and honest. They gave some fantastic advice. They they painted a real picture of what it's like for women in the music industry. I was so impressed by how great of a job they did guest hosting the show. And if you want to check out those two episodes, you can they're episode 116 and 117 on the uh, on this podcast. Definitely give it a listen if you haven't already. Really really good stuff. But now Ashley's going to be coming on in the next segment again to give us some more great advice and I love talking to her about all things music industry and all things indie artist. And along the way, she's going to update us on the latest initiative of Women Crush, which is this really cool crowdfunding campaign that they have going on right now. And we're going to talk about how you all can be a part in helping this fantastic organization reach its full potential through this crowdfunding campaign. We're going to talk to her about all about that. It's going to be fantastic. So don't go anywhere. But first, as I said before, this was a wildly disruptive week for the music industry. It was a bonanza. It was so crazy. I always complain that there are some weeks I come on this podcast and say, 
dang it, there's nothing to talk about. This It was all quiet on the Western Front news-wise this week, and I have to scrape for content to share with you guys. This week is not one of those weeks. This week, it was an embarrassment of riches of amazing news content to tell you about. And again, this is perhaps the most pivotal week that indie artists have had in recent memory because it was wild. Let me talk about two huge stories that happened in just the past few days that are going to be measurably and tangibly pivotal for you all as indie artists today. First, on September 18th, the U.S. Senate unanimously approves the Music Modernization Act. This is going to, in other words, they set up this sweeping music law um, for final approval by the House and signature by the president. Both of those things are likely going to happen by the end of the legislative session. So unless there's some crazy thing that happens in the 11th hour, by the end of the next few weeks, perhaps even sooner than that, this law is going to get passed. And this law is the most important piece of music copyright legislation that's been passed in over 100 years. And this isn't just some like weird, tangible music copyright law that isn't actually going to affect your day-to-day lives. This thing is going to have a real tangible impact. It is law that is going to directly impact your lives as indie artists. And it's a long bill, and it's a complicated bill. I mean, Congress doesn't do anything that isn't complicated. This thing's over 180 pages, but... What I want to do is boil it down to the information that's important to you all. I want to take those 180 pages, take out the stuff that's too strange and too complicated, and just distill down to the stuff you need to know. And if I had to boil this 180 page down into one sentence in terms of what the Music Modernization Act means for you when it it passes, and I'm thinking there's a 99% chance this is going to pass at this point because there's no reason to believe the House isn't going to pass the Senate version of the bill. They already passed a similar version of the bill a few months back, and you know the, it hasn't, the law hasn't changed much since then, since the Senate's gotten to it. But you know, obviously, if you remember from your old civics class and from that I'm Just a Bill song on Schoolhouse Rock, the House and the Senate have to approve the exact same language before it goes to the president. And so... We expect the House to approve this bill because it's a very popular bill. It's a bipartisan bill. It has a lot of consensus. Uh, We had to get SiriusXM on board. They were a little iffy on the bill. CSAC put up some resistance, but now everybody's on board. And so now this thing's going to pass. And so if we need to boil down this bill that looks like it's going to pass into one sentence, boil 180 pages into one sentence, here's the one sentence. The Music Modernization Act is going to get you as indie artists paid more. You are going to see more money for the songs you write when this bill passes. Period. Among other things, the MMA addresses a sobering fact of life for you all as songwriters, which is that you all don't get paid very much from streaming services. To give you some statistics here, when a song is paid played, I should say, on a streaming service, the royalty that goes to you as songwriters is something like $0.00058 per spin. It's hard to even fathom what numbers that small means. Let me put it to you another way. What that means is that for a songwriter to make $1 for their song off a streaming service, that song has to be played 1,724 times to make one freaking dollar. And by the way, that's assuming that the songwriter doesn't have any co-writers to split that money with and doesn't have any 
publisher or administrator to split that money with. And that's almost always not the case. So, yeah, you're dealing with small quantities when you're a songwriter in the streaming world. Streaming services screw songwriters. That is the fact of life. And the Music Modernization Act wants to address that. But first, just so you to understand how the Music Modernization Act is going to address that, you first have to understand why these royalty rates are so low. Why do we live in a world where a song has to be played over 1,700 times for a songwriter to see $1? And the reason why that's the case is because royalty rates are kept artificially low by government regulations and court rulings, both on the mechanical royalty side and the performance royalty side, which are the two sources of royalties that a songwriter like you gets on a platform like Spotify. So what the Music Modernization Act does in a very complicated matter, but to simplify it, what it does is it's going to change the standards by which those royalty rates are determined, the mechanical and the performance royalty. And it's going to change them in such a way that you're going to get higher royalty rates going forward. So we're changing the royalty calculations, we're changing the royalty decision-making procedures at the government level, which means more mechanical royalties, which means more performance royalties, which means A song doesn't have to be played as many times for you to make money off a streaming service. So this is a big deal. Now, is the Music Modernization Act perfect for indie artists? No. There are absolutely some parts of this bill that I wish were better. The law does give a bit too much away to the big media companies. But what I would say to you all is we don't want to let the perfect be the enemy of the good. This is how the sausage gets made in Washington. When a bill like this gets passed, that's going to be so sweeping, there's always going to be stuff about it that's not perfect. There's going to have to be compromise. It's just a fact of life that the big media companies are going to get in there with their lobbyists and they're going to tinker around with the bill and they're going to, you know, package some giveaways to them in the bill. And that's just the world, man. But on the whole, this bill is still something that is a net positive for songwriters. And... In this case, the sausage got made in a way that at least the sausage is still a little bit delicious for us at the end of the day. Overall, this bill is a win for you. So, yay, Congress did something and Congress actually did something good. Big upset. And this is cool, but it's not the only amazing piece of news. If I told you that was the only piece of disruptive music news this week, you'd already say, wow, Ryan was right. Ryan said it was a disruptive week for music and Ryan delivered because he just told us about some serious disruption. But I'm not done. Because that wasn't the only amazingly disruptive piece of news this week. Perhaps even more disruptive is this announcement this past week from Spotify that it's going to start allowing artists to directly distribute music right to its platform, dot, 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 for free. I can't overstate enough how big of a deal this is. Because as many of you know as artists, if you want to get your music on Spotify now, you can't just reach out to Spotify directly. You can't just email Spotify, you know, upload, you know, attach your MP3 to it and be like, yo, Spotify, I got this sweet track and you put it on your platform. You can't go to Spotify directly up until now. If you want your music on Spotify, you have to go through an intermediary. And for many artists, for a lot of the big time artists, that's a record label. But for indie artists who are keeping control of their music career... You still have to go through an intermediary, and that intermediary comes in the form of an aggregator, like a CD Baby, like a TuneCore, like a Ditto, like a DistroKid, 
one of these services, which by the way, I'm a fan of these services because they do empower artists because they allow artists to keep most of their money. They only take a small fee for their work. So on the whole, I'm a big fan of what these aggregators do. We've had these aggregators on our podcast before. We've had Kevin Bruner from CD Baby, the VP of Marketing, on a bunch of times. We've had Chris Robley from CD Baby on the show. We talk about TuneCore all the time. We talk about Ditto all the time. So on the whole, I, I like what these intermediaries do. But they are still intermediaries. You can't go straight to Spotify directly. You can't just give them their music and then have it put up on Spotify. Until now. Now we have disruption. Because now Spotify is saying, we're going to cut out the intermediaries. You can still use them. If you still want to get your music on Spotify through CD Baby, you can do that. But going forward, eventually, because I think it's in beta now, but Spotify is going to allow you to put your music directly onto Spotify for free without any intermediary. This is cool. And it, it's two positives for indie artists. One, it's going to save you guys a lot of money. Because for a lot of these streaming services, if you just even want to put one song on Spotify through a CD Baby or a TuneCore, that's going to be money out of your pocket. These services, a lot of them, they're going to want you know $29, $49 just to put your single on that service. A platform like CD Baby is actually going to take a percentage, not a big percentage, but a percentage of all the money you make off that service. And so that's money you're losing. And so if you can deal with Spotify directly, that's money you can save because Spotify will let you put your music on their platform for free. The other thing that dealing directly with Spotify can do is it can save you time. Any of you guys who've worked with CD Baby, TuneCore, any of these platforms know that the distribution process is not immediate. You know, you have to upload the music, they have to review it, they look at your artwork, you have to do the track list, it's a lot of forms to fill out. It's I mean, it's not slow, but it's not fast either. It can take a few days to get everything going. And if you're the kind of artist that wants to get stuff up there as quickly as possible, having to work through an intermediary can slow you down. So if you can work with Spotify directly, that really can save you time. And in this industry where your fans want your content right away, where time is money, having an option like this with Spotify is really cool. Because you might be in a position where, let's say you still want to do a full album release. If you want to get your music on all the streaming platforms, you want to get your music on the iTunes store. In those cases, you're still better off going with a CD Baby type aggregator because Going, You can only go direct with Spotify now, but all the other services, you're still going to need a platform like CD Baby to get you on all those other platforms. But let's say you just want to do a quick and dirty music release. You just want the music on Spotify, maybe because you're just, you, know, you just want to do a Spotify release single before you distribute it on everything. Now you have that option with this Spotify direct release. So you can make a Spotify direct release a big part of your distribution strategy going forward. Something to think about. So not only is it huge for you as indie artists, but this is going to be really disruptive for the industry. I could see this being very harmful to the aggregators. I'm guessing when this announcement was made, the folks over at CD Baby and the folks over at TuneCore and the folks over at Ditto got a little nervous. They're going to have to figure out how to wrestle with a world in which they can stay relevant even when artists can cut out, cut them out of the equation and go straight to a service like Spotify. They're going to need to find additional value adds to justify their existence. Or 
they're going to become like another irrelevant intermediary. A few weeks ago on this podcast, we were talking about how record labels are becoming irrelevant intermediaries. How you don't need them anymore because you can do all the things labels can do without having to give up everything you give up to work with a label. Are now aggregators like CD Baby and TuneCore approaching that irrelevant intermediary status because there are ways that you can work around them, such as what you can do now with Spotify. It's too early to tell. Only time will tell, but gosh, that's fascinating. The disruption going on in this industry right now, my goodness gracious. And so not only is this going to be a threat to the aggregators, but I imagine Apple Music is getting nervous about this announcement too. Right now, Apple Music and Spotify are locked in this epic battle to be the top music you know, streaming service in the American market. They're really fighting. It's neck and neck. They're both trying to get a foothold. They're both trying to overtake the other. And it's a battle. And they're both investing a lot into it. And this is going to be a big win in Spotify's favor. To be able to distribute directly to Spotify, something you can't do with Apple Music. And so you might see a lot more artists just gravitating to that platform being like, eh, maybe I don't need Apple Music. I'm just going to go with Spotify because I don't want to have to go through an inter- I don't want to have to go through an aggregator to get my music on Apple Music. I'm just going to go straight to Spotify and I'm going to cut Apple Music out of the equation. I could see a lot of artists doing that going forward. And I could also see Apple Music just because of the way they're built, not really being an organization that wants to do direct uploading the way Spotify is, at least not anytime soon. Although they might have to if they want to kind of keep up here. But it will be interesting to see how Apple Music reacts to this development from Spotify. It's going to be wild. Um, you know, Keep an eye on the industry for the next few weeks and months to see how everything falls into place. How What happens when the smoke clears with all of this disruption that is happening? Because it's absolutely wild. All right. Let us collect ourselves. Let us catch our breath. And let us talk to Ashley Curvabon coming up next on the Break the Business podcast. She is the founder and executive directress of Women Crush Music, a nonprofit organization that supports women in songwriting and has branches throughout the United States and Canada. On September 18th, Women Crush launched its first ever crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo to expand its initiatives. You can find out more about the organization and its great work by visiting www.womencrushmusic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are happy to welcome back Ashley Curvabon to the Break the Business podcast. Ashley, how's it going? Oh my gosh, Brian, it is so great to be back on Break the Business. Uh, so much has happened since the last time we spoke. I can't believe it's been this long. Oh, bless <laughs> but you. But thank you so much for having me back. I'm just tickled pink to have you back on the show. It has been, and I can't believe it's been this long. It, the last time we had you on the show was back in January. And it's just it, it, it feels like it was yesterday. But Um, That was an awesome month for our show because I had the pleasure of not only interviewing you on the show, but then you came back and guest hosted a couple episodes of the show while I was traveling, which again, thank you so much for taking that care of that for me. Um, Back then, Women Crush was just taken off. And so now I'm eager to hear from you today and see how things are going. What's the organization been up to since we last spoke? 
Oh, well, we've been very busy um, this year, and I think it's just going to keep getting busier and busier, but no complaints here. Um, Honestly, uh, this year has been a huge year for Woman Crush, not only because we've expanded quite a bit. um, We're in about 13 different cities now, which is super, super exciting. Um, we are la- we have launched this crowdfunding campaign, which is also uh, amazing, and I think it's going to open up a lot of doors. Uh, we've gotten a few really big uh, press features, like our feature in Lenny Lenner, which was super, super awesome. And then uh, personally, um, I think uh, <laughs> the organization kind of took, a, not a pause, but I feel like it just kind of didn't grow as quickly as I wanted to because I spent a lot of the year planning my wedding. I got married in May. <laughs> um, right. So and now, um, now Woodman Crush is officially headquarters in New York um, because I moved back to New York City. So, uh, listeners in New York, if you want to get in touch and and hang out, invite me to your shows. I am totally down for this. <laughs> well, now I'm just happy for a number of reasons because obviously, the nuptials. So thrilled for you. That's fantastic. <laughs> and Thank you know, move you. into a new city. And another thing that makes me happy, um, I don't know if you know this about me, Ashley, but in addition to being an entertainment lawyer, I'm also a nonprofit lawyer. I work with a lot of nonprofit organizations in the education space. And so whenever I see a good structure for a nonprofit organization, mwah, makes me so happy. So when I look at what Women Crush has, which is, a well-built central office that can kind of provide strength throughout the country and provide one unified message and then have branches throughout the country in major cities so that every so that you know singer-songwriters in local areas can get involved and your organization can have a local feel and be ready to, to attend to the local needs of those communities i think that's so cool what a great design for women in music uh, how has that structure really worked for you has it has i mean has it been what you've hoped it would be is it overwhelming to have that many offices and try to run it all um i will tell you that the last time that we spoke i was 100 percent winging it <laughs> <laughs> um since then i have learned quite a bit i had to um do my first set of like firing people <laughs> the other day. Um, also just like learning to um, be a boss has really been not a challenge, but definitely been an experience that I was just not used to. And I kind of had to like learn on my own um, about what works and what doesn't work. Um, like everyone is different. I think understanding like just like human psychology uh, has to do so much with being a good boss. Um, yeah, I I honestly, I love it. I love it. Like we started, I want to say the last time that we spoke, um, you know, Katie and Michelle uh, were on the team. They had actually just, just gotten on the team a little bit ago. Uh, I think they started with me in like November, December of last year. And, um, you know, we were hiring more and more volunteers. I actually think the last time we spoke, I was still interviewing chapter leaders for the for the different cities. And now I've got a team of about 30 volunteers working for Woman Crush across the country. So it's it's pretty wild. <laughs> that is wild. 
Uh, if you are a woman in music and you're looking to get involved with this organization, check them out at womencrushmusic.com. It's all about empowering women, creating opportunities for them. They have great showcases. I went to one. It was fan-fantastic. Um, and I really enjoyed the informational stuff you guys put out, too. I've been really getting into The Crush, which is the official blog of Women Crush Music. I really dig the interviews that you've been doing on that blog. You interview a lot of fantastic women in music, get some great insights out of them. Were there any interviewees or stories that you've done on The Crush that really stuck out for you? Um, right now, I am, I mean, I've been doing a good bit of the blog posts. Um, we actually have uh, Brendan, who is a younger writer, but he's great. Um, he's been writing a lot of the pieces for The Crush also. Um, and then we have a couple of the chapter leaders stepping in too. Um, right now, I'm focusing on not only interviewing uh women in the music industry like on the business side of things but since i think i'm really missing portland um, i'm interviewing a lot of artists from portland that not only have great music but also just like a really great story to tell and so uh one of my favorite portland artists um Haley johnson she was actually a semi-finalist on american idol i think in 2011 12. um so she's local to Portland and she's such a huge, like she's a great musician, singer, songwriter, everything, and just a sweet, sweet person. She's uh, on the board for Woman Crush, actually. Um, she's such a huge advocate for all ages music. And she, as like big as she is, and she tours a whole bunch. Once she's in Portland, she really immerses herself with the local community and she teaches and she puts on these shows and helps these underage artists do shows that, that maybe they would not have been able to do otherwise. And it's just, she's, I'm so lucky that she's on our board. And I think that's one of the, the bigger stories that we've posted recently that really, um, struck a chord with me. Um, there's also a Danny Tenzella, local artist in Portland, who pretty much was immobile for a really, really long time. And she healed herself through like learning to play instruments again. And she started her own one woman band. Um, she's actually uh, releasing her EP next week. So super, super exciting. Um, but yeah, I think those are my top two right now. And then obviously um, Kingsley, who you know, Mo, <laughs> Mo Lincoln, yes, um, just posted a piece on her too. She, I don't, I don't know if you know uh, her update, but she's a head of, head of marketing over at the Roseland Ballroom in Portland, which is one of the biggest venues there. So not only is she a great artist, and but she's also full time uh, head of marketing in the industry. So I think. Uh, there's a lot of really, really rad ladies with stories out there, and I really just want them to have a place to shine, and that's one of the one of the biggest reasons why we started The Crush. Well, I can imagine that interviewing these artists gives you what interviewing artists on this show gives me, which is just being constantly inspired. I think you know, even after three years of doing this podcast, when I continue to talk to artists, it just keeps me motivated. And and if I could give you some unsolicited advice here, I it sounds like sooner rather than later, your schedule is just going to become too busy for you to even find time to eat or sleep. But what I would say to you is don't stop interviewing these people because it's going to keep you motivated. Mm -hmm. That's really good advice, Ryan. I actually really appreciate that. I, I definitely 
you know, I think it started at first with me, like, really wanting to do this series of, of you know, interviewing artists with a story or women who have full-time jobs in the industry. And then I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm too busy. I don't have time. I have to do all this other woman crush stuff and blah, blah, blah. But I realized that once I started, I just did not want to stop. I don't want to stop ever. So <laughs> thank you for that advice. That's really good advice. Very, very cool. And so let me ask you this as somebody – who has already achieved so much, who's, you know, learned so much from all these fantastic women, who's accomplished so much in music and in nonprofit work. For female artists that are just starting out in the music business right now, what is something that you would tell them that you wish somebody told you when you started? Oh, I love and hate this question because there's not just one thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I would say... I think that when I, this is just on a personal note, um, when I first started, I think I was very scared of asking for help. And not just professionally, but just in my personal life as well. I never seemed like I wanted to be like intruding on anyone's lives or a bother or um, like obnoxious. Um, And (laughs) now I'm just realizing like, if you don't ask, like you don't, like, if you just ask the universe or a person, like, chances are they'll say no, they won't respond. But most of the time, you'll get a response. And it might not be the one that you want, but I feel like recently, like, eight times out of ten, it's worked out pretty well for me. <laughs> so <laughs> so definitely don't be scared to ask for help. Um, if there is someone that you really, really admire, shoot them an email. Um because they they might actually want to help you. <laughs> um, that actually happened to me with Ariel Hyatt. I've always uh, admired her. And I asked her if we could meet up when I got to New York. And I was just like, hey, we're launching a crowdfunding campaign. Do you have any tips for me? Because I've never done this before. <laughs> and she, she was like my fairy godmother in that exact moment. She turned around and she hands me her book. She's yeah. like, here. I wrote a book about it. I was just about to say, she said, yeah, I don't have any tips other than the giant book I wrote on crowdfunding. Yep. She was just like, here, I wrote a book about it. And I was like, (laughs) okay. She was like, here you go. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. (laughs) So yeah, it's just, you know, things like that happen to me every day. I just go out on a limb and ask people that I've, I've always admired for help and and it's it seems to be working. So <laughs> so that would be my one piece of advice. Well, as an aside, I'm so glad you two got connected. Of course, we're big fans of Ariel Hyatt around here. And just the idea that two fantastic women in music are getting together and exchanging ideas, that sounds great to me. And for those early career female artists out there, and regarding this idea of the importance of asking for help, how great is it that now... Women in Music have an organization like yours, which is essentially a built-in, you know, giant mass of women who are ready to give people help. You know, you, ha- you now have this network of women that if you need something, if you need advice, if you need a connection, Women Crush can be here to help you. That's awesome. Again, check them out at womencrushmusic.com. Ashley, tell us about the Indiegogo campaign, as my dog is barking in the background. Um what are the goals of this campaign and how can people support it? Okay, so we are attempting to raise, uh, well, I shouldn't say attempting, we are going to raise. There you go, I love it. With the help of our generous donors, uh, 
at least $10,000 in the next six weeks to be able to cover some startup costs. Um, these startup costs will include our 501c3 application because we actually do not have 501c3 status yet. Um, the reason for that is because um, in it took from January when I last spoke to you to now to find a board of directors that I was um, happy with um, to feel uh, supported, I guess is the best way to put it. And now we have a really, really great board and we're ready to take that step and the application is very costly. So um, it will, first things first, it will cover that. It will cover some administrative costs, just like uh, silly things that add up like business cards and those email addresses and uh, the website domain and all that fun stuff. Um, Woman Crush merch which is super, super um, important because that's obviously a revenue stream for the organization. It's also a fun thing for us to give artists at showcases and people really like the goals hashtag and wearing it. <laughs> um, so that's for like shirts, we wanna do tote bags, stickers, all that fun stuff. Um, program costs, um, we haven't been giving the chapter leaders much to work with because we just haven't had it. And so even if it's just to cover like, advertising costs or like, oh, we need, uh, I don't know, like raffle tickets for this event or something like that. Um, or we need to pay a sound guy or we need to pay a photographer or so we can start giving the artist some ba base pay um, that will cover all that stuff. And then lastly, if we uh, reach above our goal, um, since you've worked with nonprofits before, I'm sure you know this, but i actually didn't know and it makes total sense when I was doing the research on uh, nonprofit budgeting that most nonprofits have uh, not only a savings account but they also have an extra like education reserve um, because nonprofit teams are usually so small that the staff wears so many hats that they have like a fund for their team to like take whatever classes and certification courses that they need to be able to like get uh, the the organization further um, and so that's something that I I really really want to happen for whoever is on my team um, and I'm actually um, regardless of whether we get the money or not I'm investing in the organization and in myself and I actually just got accepted to a nonprofit leadership course um, at Fordham and I'll be starting that in November so that's super exciting um, and yeah, we, uh, we have a bunch of really cool perks, um, on the campaign. Uh, people can win a consulting session with me, which is super cool. <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> um, but we also have like the higher perks, like we curate shows for your venue or we can feature your business on our social media, um, and really cool stuff like that when tickets to an event, um, yeah, we've got a lot of really, really good stuff. That is so exciting. Uh, again, I've worked with you know, a lot of social entrepreneurs, and I can always tell when a person has the right just makeup for you know, you know, running a nonprofit. And again, it's not for everybody. And I've I've seen a lot of skilled business people and managers who just don't have what it takes to run a nonprofit because you have to have a special combination of just acumen, but also just steadfast dedication and i see all those traits in you ashley so i am so excited to see how this campaign turns out and what you're going to be doing with the organization over the years 
you absolutely have a supporter here in the Break the Business podcast, and I encourage my listeners to lend some support to the Indiegogo campaign as well. See, now your dogs bark, so we have it on, <laughs> now we have it on both sides. There he goes. Everybody go follow him on Instagram. Right. Henry hates everyone because he really does. All right. Well, tell us about the dog because we love dogs around here. What kind of dog is this? Well, I'm going to like yell at him really quickly. This is so embarrassing. Henry, Henry, you're famous now. You can stop barking. Okay. I think he's calmed down. Nope. He's just going to keep going. All that right. He's my two-year-old Chewini. Well, um, I, I I think maybe the dog just got jealous because I was complimenting you too much. But while your dog barks incessantly, tell us this. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Um, well, I was going to say before, and I, I forgot, is that I am very accessible via email. And so, yes, I, I'm very busy all the time, but I really like hearing from artists who want to know more about Woman Crush or how they can get involved. And so um, one of those things that I was saying about asking for help, like if you need help and you just literally don't know who to ask, you can ask me. <laughs> just shoot me an email um, or shoot the Woman Crush music at Gmail. Um, dot com email and email and that will get to me um and i would love to answer any um question that you have if i can if not i'm sure i know somebody who can answer it um and that's that's really what i'm gonna leave you with i think is just uh ask for help uh don't be afraid i think that fear is the only thing that can stop you from accomplishing your dreams Aww. and that's that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Um, again, you can check out Women Crush at www.womencrushmusic.com. And where can they find your dog on Instagram? I want to make sure that uh, Henry gets the acknowledgement he deserves. Oh, my goodness. He doesn't <laughs> deserve it. He's been such a bad boy today. <laughs> um, hang on. It's at Henry Hates Everybody. <laughs> Which would also be a good band name, just uh, as an aside there. Uh, Ashley, it has been a treat. Best of luck with the crowdfunding campaign. Don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again soon. Thank you so much. This was so much fun.